Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Today, we bask in the light of mustachioed greatness. Hi, this is Daniel Segura, host of the Mustachioed Podcastio. You like mustaches? You like movies? You like sexy chinganos? Well, the Podcastio is the place for you. We are talking legendary mustaches from Charles Bronson to the Great Bird Reynolds to the OG Ice T. Find the Mustachioed Podcastio anywhere you listen to podcasts. That is M O U S T Ashioed Podcastio. An unprecedented rise through the ranks of organized crime. A cowardly turn into the life of a police informant. A mysterious and to this day unsolved death. Today we return to the town of Redding, Ohio for another tale of shocking small town crime, more police ineptitude, and the violent end to one of the most prolific thieves in American history. We also have an exclusive interview with the man who worked most closely with Silver Larry, Chief Jacob Kyles, as well as recordings from his police interrogations. Today on Spine Chilling Crime, with your host, me, Scout Martin. In 1983, a baby was placed on the front doorstep of St. Mary's Orphan Asylum in a basket. It contained only one thing to identify the child, a plaque that contained two words, Silver Larry. The nuns would soon live to regret taking the child in, however, because within two years, things started disappearing. Small things at first, candy from the front desk, supplies from the arts and crafts room, pens from their frocks. They had no idea where these things were going until one day, during a routine room inspection, they found a stash of the stolen items under Silver's bed. The two-year-old Larry learned an important lesson that day, but not the one the nuns wanted. Instead of learning to not do crime, he learned to do crime better. For the next 12 years, Silver Larry owned his craft. He stole the collection plates from their weekly masses. He stole the gold and silver crosses from the rectory. The other children reported their meager possessions missing from their rooms, but there were no signs of forced entry, and no one was ever able to find evidence to pin it on Silver. In the summer of 1997, when Silver Larry was just 14 years old, St. Mary's Orphan Asylum was torn down. Underneath the giant building, they found miles of tunnels leading all over the city, and a huge central room with a giant empty safe inside of it. The nuns knew nothing about it. They also never saw hide nor hair of Silver Larry again. He had taken all of his ill-gotten gains and left through the farthest tunnel away from St. Mary's, the one that exited into Reading. An unsupervised teenager with money can get into a lot of trouble in a new town, and Silver Larry was no exception. He was able to live off the money he got from pawning off the things stolen from St. Mary's, but that well was quickly run dry 
and since it was the only life he knew, Silver returned to a life of crime. It didn't take Silver Larry long to make a name for himself in Redding, Ohio's crime community. His ability to get into anywhere undetected earned him the nickname The Ghost. He stole from everywhere, residences, stores, banks, and even the police evidence room. The cops were baffled. There was never any evidence left behind, there was never signs of forced entry, and besides the missing goods, everything was left exactly as it was. Sometimes it would be days before someone would even know they'd been robbed. Silver Larry was living in the lap of luxury. That is, until he decided he needed a bigger score. The target of his biggest heist ever was going to be the home of local organized crime boss, Dahlia the Ferret D'Antonia. In a small town like Reading, you won't usually find a mafia, but that's why D'Antonia was so successful there. By sticking to smaller crimes, such as bootlegging old NES games, importing rare, illegal cheeses from overseas, and trading passwords for various streaming services. These, along with the regular mafia activities, protection and money laundering for corrupt politicians, D'Antonia could leave a very luxurious life in the small town with a relatively small cost of living. Up until now, Silver Larry had not had to worry about getting caught. He had outsmarted and outmaneuvered every security system and steward that he'd come up against. He thought he was unstoppable, but D'Antonia was ready for him. Tales of the ghost had been circulating through the criminal underground since the robberies had started, and D'Antonia had seen to it that the needed preparations were made. When Silver Larry got into D'Antonia's mansion, he was met with armed guards and trained assassins, all with their guns drawn on him. But D'Antonia wasn't trying to kill Silver Larry. They were trying to recruit him. Faced with the choice of working for the Redding, Ohio Mafia or death, Silver Larry made the only sensible decision. It didn't take long for Silver to rise up the ranks in the organization. The amount of money he was making for D'Antonia and himself was unprecedented. Within six months, Silver Larry was sitting on high-level dinners, helping to plan heists, and even giving orders to members of the Redding Mafia that had been in the organization for years. None of this sat well with the veteran members. Unrest was building up in the ranks, but no one dared to try taking out the boss's new right-hand man. Instead, using their contacts within the police department, the unhappy mobsters sent Silver Larry directly into an ambush. For the second time in a year, Silver was faced with a decision. But this time, it was between life in prison or becoming a police informant. And as you will be able to tell from the following clip, the police were not nearly as forgiving as the Mafia. Ah, oh, man, I know. I don't think you have, and you still haven't been punished enough for your crimes, you, you, criminal. Oh, can't do it. I supposed to protect and serve. I protect and serve the people who deserve it, not criminal scum like you. I'm pretty sure it's Perez! That's enough! You're gonna leave bruises, Jesus Christ. What do you think we have all these phone books lying around? That's better.
And now, to provide some never-before-heard insight on Silver's time as the Reading PD's informant, we have Silver's handler, Officer Jacob Kyles. Thank you for being here today, Officer. Well, thanks for having me, young lady. And please, it's Chief Kyles. Oh, I'm sorry. Chief Kyles. That's quite all right. I just finally got the recognition I deserve after our last chief's unfortunate demise. Ah, yes, the Franken-Satan. That's another interesting story I'm going to have to do more research on. So many intense things happen in your town, I might need to do an entire series on it. But for now, I'd like to keep the conversation to Silver Larry. You worked most closely with him during his time with the police department. What was he like? Well, Silver Larry was, uh, it was difficult. You know, for someone who was so good at what he did, he was just so lazy. It was almost impossible to get him to do anything. It was like working with a goddamn 15-year-old. All he wanted to do was eat pizza and play video games, but... We knew he was our only choice to get some of these untouchable crime bosses. The untouchable crime bosses, like Dahlia D'Antonia? Yeah, yeah. Silverware had a strong attachment to the ferret. We knew we weren't going to get him to give him up easily, so we had to settle for some small fries at first, but that didn't bother me none. Getting any criminal off the streets a win in my book. Can you tell us about some of these small fries? Just a bunch of small timers that were too slippery for us to catch, or just not worth the department's time and money to conduct a full investigation. We started with some of these guys to test Silver's effectiveness and whether or not we could trust him. And he was working for free, so why the hell not, right? We had him get dirt on the pervert shoe salesman Reggie Rowley, who was sucking on folks' toes whenever he measured their feet. He was able to deliver Dylan Townsend when he was peeping on folks through a porta john he set up in the courtyard of the Orchid Estates Apartments. He also helped us get Dylan Townsend when he was trying to smuggle meth up from West Virginia. Oh, and he brought in Dylan Townsend when he was going around shitting on the hoods of people's cars, too. But he couldn't stay with just the small-timers forever. Can you tell us about the first major criminal that Silver Larry helped the Reading PD take down? Ah, yeah, that would be Cyrus Wallace. He and his sidekick Scotch ran this strange bootlegging operation. They were bootlegging chewing tobacco by mixing up mud and pet egg shavings and selling it for more than you could just buy from the store. They were targeting the Christians, calling the stuff Dip for Jesus. They were selling it out of the basement of the Agape Love Ministries Church, so we had Silver break in after business hours to gather evidence so we could finally take them down. Without a warrant? Isn't that illegal? <laughs> we're the police. Nothing's illegal. Of course. So, uh, you had Silver working for you for several years. He must have been effective, despite him being so difficult. Well, yeah. I hate to admit it, but that infuriating pain in the ass put away more criminals in this town than half of the police officers put together. You know, for someone who had that many enemies, getting close to these big timers, it was really easy for him. He had uh, this weird charisma and quite a way with words. Once we set him on someone, it wasn't long before we had enough on them to get him in cuffs and behind bars. And he provided us with the means to catch the bad guys, and we kept him clothed and fed and protected. You know, it worked out well for all of us for several years. If my research is correct, there was a time that you thought Silver had gone back to a life of crime. Would you like to speak on that? Uh, well, that's impressive, little lady. You are thorough. I hope you didn't find anything you weren't supposed to. Yeah, there was a little crime spree years ago that we thought old Silver might have had something to do with. The Reading Buttstabber case. Yeah, the Buttstabber case. That was a real black eye for the department. Couldn't catch that son of a bitch, so of course Silver was the prime suspect. But uh, at that point, we had been working with him for years, so when he said he didn't have anything to do with it, we believed him. 
Look, Silver, I believe you, but I can't say the same for my partner here. Just give me five minutes with him, Kyles. I'll get that confession right out of him. No, don't loan the psycho, Kyle. Tell us didn't do nothing doing. I found there I ghost. You don't tell us what to do, you crime doing guy. Fuck yes, Do you want to admit your crimes now, crime man? I swear I'm not stabbing people in fucking butt, man. I stab people in ass is stupid. Fucking lucky I'm stab you this dick, though. I guess I'm just gonna have to get the chief. You stay here and watch this guy, Perez. Oh, I'll make sure he doesn't go anywhere. Oh, let him come. No, get fired. Perez, Kyle, let this guy go. There's been another stabbing. We need you both down at Chancy Orange's pharmacy, the downtown location, pronto. Right. Now we get to D'Antonia. Yeah. Now, like I said before, Silver and the ferret were tight. Silver did everything he could to keep him protected from us. But he knew from the start that without the ferret behind bars, he would never be free from us. He was finally ready to give you what you wanted. It took a bit of uh, persuasion, but yeah, he was finally ready to give the boss up. This time when he went to collect the evidence, no one was stopping him. And in just one night, he got enough to put the ferret away for the rest of their life. And within the week the ferret was in prison and the trial was set, Silver took the stand and was the biggest nail in the coffin for D'Antonia. And after the verdict, we set Silver up with a new identity and a new house and a new town. Everything wrapped up with a nice bow. Now, Chief, you know I'm not going to let you get away with that. Get away. I'm not sure what you're talking about. You're making it sound like a happy ending for everyone involved. You're making it sound like you put Silver Larry into some kind of witness relocation program instead of giving him the obvious name Larry Silverman and moving him back to Cincinnati. You knew Silver Larry made a lot of powerful enemies during the Dahlia, the Ferret, D'Antonia's trial. If I didn't know any better, I'd think you wanted him to get killed, that that was your nice bow. Yeah, I'd watch my tone if I were you. We couldn't just let him go. You have no idea what he was capable of. We had to keep our eyes on him, so we did what we thought was going to keep him safe. Oh, really? Do you want to tell my listeners about Silver Larry's death? Uh, I do not. And as a matter of fact, this interview's over. And just like that, he was gone. I'm sorry I got like that. It just makes me really upset that people don't get treated like humans just because they made a few mistakes. I probably should have edited all that out, but I wanted to let you all know what I was dealing with. Now, all that's left is to tell you about Silver Larry's mysterious death. As previously stated, the Reading PD did not take any kind of care with protecting Silver Larry. They gave him an alias that was easily found out and moved him a mere 12 miles from town. It was not long before D'Antonia found out exactly where Silver Larry was located. You see, the ferret, despite being incarcerated in a maximum security prison, was still running their criminal empire. 
D'Antonia took Silver Larry's betrayal personally, so they set out their five best assassins to make sure the job was done. Silver's car ignition was rigged to blow up the moment he started it, just like in the mob movies. The assassins were instructed to wait, and if the explosion didn't take Silver out, they were to finish the job themselves, just like in the mob movies. They had to make sure that there was no sign of movement before they were to return home. By all accounts, the hit went off without a hitch. The car bomb triggered, and hide nor hair of Silver Larry was ever seen again. That concludes the story of Silver Larry. I thought this one would be cut and dry, but I have to admit, the more research I did on his life, the more I was rooting for him. I also need to find out more about Dahlia the Ferret D'Antonia, so stay tuned for that. Thanks again, chillers, for tuning in to Spine Chilling Crime. Although the interview didn't go great, I'd like to thank Chief Jacob Kyles for his time and to Redding's Clerk of Court's office for sending in the audio from those police interrogations. That's all for this week. I'll see you all next week for another spine-chilling crime. Thank you for listening to Jack Billings Presents Haunted Apartment Complex, a proud member of the Podmoth Network. Today's episode was written by Michael Colby. Editing and production by Michael Colby. Our theme song was written and performed by Kyle Check. Today's episode starred Gabrielle Lewis Stam as Scout Martin, Michael Colby as Officer Perez, Kyle Check as Officer Kyles, and Matt Deterior as Silver Larry. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at jackbillingsofficial at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter at Jack Billings Pod or at my neighbor M-I-C-H-1. You can also follow us on Instagram at Jack Billings Presents. Or you can join Zeno Knox as a patron on patreon.com backslash Jack Billings. It's my first time. It's not. Oh my god. That's my new ringtone though. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm practicing for my OnlyFans. It's fine. Gabby's Gabby's calling. It's my first time. It's my first time. It's my first time. <laughs> it's written wrong. That was not my fucking fault. Um <clears throat> Nope, it was not written wrong. That was my fault. All right, I'm going to start. <laughs> okay. These, along with the regular mafia activity... These, along with the regular mafia activities, protection and money laundering for corrupt...
Why can't I fucking talk? <laughs> we had to get him. We had him. Hang on. <laughs> Three words at a time here. That's my goal. <laughs> they gave him an alias that was easily found out and moved him a mere. Tw I'm sorry, 12 miles. I'm sorry. That's really funny. <laughs> I think that's. Okay. <laughs> now, all that's left to tell you about Larry Sil. Now. <laughs> <laughs> wow! <laughs> Getting grumpy towards the end of the recording. A little no. bit. A little Move. bit. Mm. All right. Now, all that's left to tell you about Silver Larry's mysterious. What the fuck? Now! Now! Wow. I'm just mad at myself. Do you need a nap? <laughs> no. No. Now all that's left is to tell you about Silver Larry's mysterious death. I read it right on the third time. I have to get it out of my throat. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that is a fine throat. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs>